how many resurrections are recorded in the Bible? Did the Old Testament saints believe in a resurrection? What saith the scripture? Greetings, I'm Dr. Paul Felter, and in this video podcast, I will answer those questions about the resurrections found in your Bible. Seldom will you hear a sermon on the resurrections, so I will address them here, hopefully clearing up any confusion. The first use of the word resurrection occurs in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 22, verse 23. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him. As you know, the Sadducees did not believe in a bodily resurrection, believing that one's eternal state is spirit only, no physical body. They were trying to trap Jesus with a question about the resurrection. They gave a hypothetical scenario that if a woman's husband dies, then she marries his brother. Then that brother dies, then she marries another brother, until she had married all seven brothers. The Sadducees asked Jesus whose wife she would be in the resurrection. Matthew 22, verse 28 through 30. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. I love Jesus' answer. First he tells them that they are in error, assuming that the woman would be a wife to any of the seven brothers. Then Jesus explains that there is no marriage after the resurrection. But the resurrected saints are like angels, which do not procreate in their angelic state. Jesus continues teaching about the resurrection in verses 31 and 32. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which is spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Since God is the God of the living, then all saints that have died must be raised in a resurrection to life. The word dead in that verse pertains to the physical body, as the spirit never dies, it is eternal. So it's the physical body that is resurrected, not the soul and spirit. That is what Jesus is implying in that verse. But is the resurrection concept found in the Old Testament? The first recorded passage pertaining to a resurrection is from the oldest book in the Bible, Job. Job chapter 14, verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Job asks if a man dies, will he live again? His answer is yes, he will live again at an appointed time when his body is changed from dead to living. Again, in Job 19, verse 26. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh will I see God. Job states that his flesh will be destroyed by death, yet at some future time he will, in his flesh, see the Lord. These verses imply a bodily resurrection from the dead with a new body of flesh. Job continues in chapter 33, verse 29 and 30. 
Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. God will bring the soul of a man back from the darkness, death of the pit, the grave, to the light of the living via a resurrection from death to life. In the Psalms we read, Psalm 17, verse 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David proclaims that he will see the face of the Lord when he awakes from the dead in his likeness. A resurrection will restore the righteous dead to a new body like the Lord's in that it will last for all eternity. Again in Psalm 16, verse 10, David states, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. God will not leave David's soul in hell, but resurrect him from the dead to the living at some future appointed time. Also, God will not leave his Holy One, Jesus the Messiah, in the grave to suffer the corruption of the flesh. In Jewish tradition, the corruption or decay of the flesh of a dead body began on day four. Jesus was resurrected on day three before his body saw any corruption. The prophet Daniel notes the resurrection in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Here Daniel divides the resurrection into two distinct groups, those that will receive eternal life, and a second group of those destined for everlasting contempt and shame. The concept of a dual resurrection carries forward into the New Testament. John writes in his Gospel, beginning at John chapter 5, verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Jesus refers to the godly saints that have died. They will hear his voice someday and will live again. Jesus continues the resurrection explanation in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they which have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The godly saints will be raised at an event called the resurrection of life but the ungodly lost will be raised at an event called the resurrection of damnation. Again, in the book of Acts, we read about the two resurrections. Acts chapter 24, verse 15, where the apostle Paul testifies before Felix, the governor of Judea. And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. Here again, there is a resurrection of the just, the godly saints, and the unjust, ungodly sinners. Everyone will be resurrected at some point in the future. In John chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, Jesus and Martha discuss the resurrection of Lazarus. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again 
in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Here we gain another detail about the timing of the resurrection of the just, which would include Lazarus. That resurrection of godly saints occurs at the last day. Well, that begs the question, what and when is the last day? Let's look at some passages pertaining to the last day. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. John 6, verse 39. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6.40 No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6 verse 44 Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6, verse 54. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. John eleven twenty four. In John chapter 7, verse 37, we are given a clue about the last day. In the last day, the great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. John 7, verse 37. The feast mentioned here is the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths. The last day of that feast is also called the Great Day. Let's take a quick look at the Jewish feasts. There are four spring feasts and three fall feasts. The spring feasts are Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. Each feast is prophetically significant. Jesus fulfilled Passover as he was the Lamb of God that takes away sin. Just as Israel was saved by the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost in Egypt, mankind can be saved by the blood of Christ shed on the cross for sin. Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the tomb. Leaven is a type of sin. The Jews had to make a quick exodus from Egypt. There was not enough time to put leaven in the bread and wait for it to rise. So they made unleavened bread for their journey. Jesus is the bread of life, and he has no sin, no leaven, as his body lay in the tomb. Jesus fulfilled the Feast of First Fruits the Sunday following his crucifixion by rising from the dead on the day after the Sabbath. Fifty days later, Jesus fulfilled the Feast of Pentecost by sending the Holy Spirit as he predicted in John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. It's easy to see that Jesus fulfilled the prophetic aspects of the spring feasts at his first coming. But what about the three fall feasts? The fall feasts are the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Trumpets marks an alarm or warning and a gathering. The alarm and warning could come at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation 
and again at the midpoint when the Antichrist declares himself God in the newly rebuilt Jewish temple. The gathering would be at the midpoint of the tribulation when the remnant of Israel is gathered and moved to a place of protection for the last half of the tribulation, as described in Revelation chapter 12, verse 14. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, and to her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. Revelation 12, 14. The Feast of Atonement will be fulfilled at Jesus' second coming when he saves the remnant of Israel and defeats their enemies. The Feast of Tabernacles will be fulfilled just after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Their King, Messiah, Jesus, is once again here on earth with his people. The Feast of Tabernacles is seven days long, and on the last day, a great feast is prepared. This last day could mark the resurrection of the just immediately prior to the inauguration of the king and his kingdom, the millennial kingdom. Remember, I'm talking about future events, so I can't be dogmatic. A resurrection on the last day of that future Feast of Tabernacles could easily correspond with the first resurrection of Revelation chapter 20. Let's read the scripture passage, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their right hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. The setting is just after the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. This resurrection includes those martyred saints from the tribulation and many others. Many so-called prophecy experts are confused about this first resurrection, as they try to include the rapture of the church. But let me break this down for you. There are only two prophesied resurrections in your Bible. Number one, the resurrection of life, the first resurrection. This occurs just after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Number two, the resurrection of damnation, which occurs just before the great white throne judgment after the millennial reign of Christ, where all the lost dead are judged. The key word here is prophesied. These are the two prophesied resurrections we read about in John's Gospel, which were commonly known among the Jews of Jesus' day. The first resurrection of Revelation chapter 20 is exactly what it says, the first resurrection. It is the resurrection of the just, the godly, to life, who takes part in the first resurrection. All the godly saints from Adam to the second coming of Jesus Christ including those martyred for Christ during the tribulation, except the church, the body of Christ. We do not take part in the prophesied first resurrection in Revelation chapter 20. And I will show you why 
in just a minute. So who takes part in the second resurrection, the resurrection of damnation? All the ungodly lost dead from Adam to the end of the satanic rebellion at the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Every lost soul that has ever lived will take part in the resurrection of damnation. They will all appear at the great white throne judgment and experience the second death wherein they will die a second time, losing their resurrection bodies and be cast into the lake of fire. But what about us, the church, the body of Christ? I'm glad you asked. We have an unprophesied mystery resurrection as our Apostle Paul describes. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. The church, the body of Christ, has a mystery resurrection, the rapture. The rapture is an unprophesied event, removing both the dead in Christ and living saints saved during the dispensation of grace, the church age. We know the general timing of the first resurrection that occurs just after the second coming of Jesus Christ. We know the timing of the second resurrection just prior to the great white throne judgment. But the timing of the mystery resurrection, the rapture, is unknown to us and known only to God. So let's review the three resurrections. The first resurrection raises all the godly saints from Adam to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That includes the pre-flood and post-flood saints, saints under the law of Moses, saints of Jesus' day, and early chapters of Acts, the little flock saints. Every dead saint except the church, the body of Christ. The second resurrection raises all the lost dead from Adam through the end of the millennial kingdom. That includes all the lost souls that have ever lived. The rapture resurrection raises the dead in Christ from the dispensation of grace only. Another way of looking at the three resurrections is this. Number one, all the godly saints that died under the law of Moses take part in the first resurrection. All the saints that die in the dispensation of grace not under the law of Moses, but grace, take part in the rapture resurrection. All the lost, the ungodly dead, are resurrected just prior to the great white throne judgment, destined for the lake of fire. God needs a separate resurrection, the rapture, for the church, the body of Christ, as we are not destined for wrath. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, Romans 5, verse 9. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he hath raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. The seven-year tribulation is a time of God's wrath, but any wrath due us was paid for by Jesus on the cross. 
The wrath of God begins in Revelation chapter 6 as we read, And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Revelation 6, verses 16 and 17. Jesus, the Lamb, will never subject his own body, the church, to his wrath. He is not a masochist. He is our Lord, our Savior, and Redeemer, who deals with us in grace, not wrath. Well, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. An integral part of understanding your Bible is to see God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation in chart format. I have two such works available in print and PDF. The first is a free, rightly dividing the word of truth chart in landscape format. This chart displays God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation. It alone is a tremendous help in understanding the Bible and can be easily downloaded from my website. Second, a letter-sized booklet named The Master Key to Understanding the Bible. This 64-page guide is full-color and professionally printed. It has 13 large, full-color charts displaying the right division concept in great detail. The guide is a must-have companion for the serious Bible student. The Master Key is also available in audiobook format on Amazon Audible. Both are available on my website, breadoflife.media. If you have enjoyed the video podcast, then please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast channel, Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Well, thanks for joining me today. See you next time. God bless.